Welcome to the podcast of C3 Church with today's message. Isaiah chapter 58. We're going to start reading at verse 6. When you get there, say, I have it. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6 says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? He's talking about the difference between fasting uh, to get something and fasting to be something. Amen. Right? Fasting should be an inward change inside of us that the result of it is an outward work. Amen, somebody. That's why we fast, right? And so this is uh, the Lord speaking to the prophet Isaiah to bring correction uh, to a church that had become uh, lukewarm. Uh, they uh, was more apt to go through religious worship rather than true and genuine worship. They were more uh, wanting to do uh, mechanical worship, right? They were just, in other words, just going through the motions or uh, to give you a natural example of a spiritual reality, they were on autopilot, right? Which sometimes in the church we can become that way and we can get so used to God and we know it's going to be three songs and we know we're going to do this, that, and the other and we can get comfortable with God and, and not really believe that he wants to do something new in us. This is what happened, and the man of God began to bring correction, like the prophecy. Prophetic words always brings correction, but it also always points us back to Jesus. It's a, it's, we wanted you to have an uncompromising heart for the Lord of glory. The man of God goes on to share that when you fast, there should be an inward change to make you want to share your bread with the hungry. And that you bring your your uh, your house. The, uh, I'm sorry. And that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light will break forth like the morning. Come on, somebody. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. See, when you obey God and you do it Yahweh and not your way, God says, I got something for you on the other side. He said, your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. In other words, he said, I got your front and your back. Then you shall call the Lord and he will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. That is an amazing promise right there, saints of God, that if you call him, God says, here I am. God is not going to just hear your voice and then hang up the phone, so to speak. Right now, I don't want to talk to them like we do. Amen, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You probably got a little note for a particular family member. And when they call, you see that little, uh-uh, I'm not going to talk to them right now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Not you. I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking. There's somebody else. <laughs> Joshua said he did it yesterday. <laughs> Praise God. You know, God is not like that. God says, if you call, I will say, here I am. If you're feeling sad and you call me, he says, here I am. If you're sick and you call me, he says, here I am. If you're confused and you call me, God says, here I am. If you're suffering and you call me, God says, here I am. If you're broke and you call me, God says, if you're rich 
and you call him, God says, that's a promise. If you take away the yoke from the midst of you and stop pointing fingers at everybody else. Oh, see, there we go, okay. Because you know, along with direction, he brings correction. Right, so now he says, stop pointing fingers at everybody else. Stop telling somebody else that they need to be doing something that you should be doing. In other words, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. And your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones and you shall be like a watered garden. I'm telling you, man, just reading this should bring comfort to your soul. And like a spring of water whose waters do not fall or fail. I'm sorry. Verse 12, last verse. Those from among you, somebody say he's talking about me. Come on, say it loud. He's talking about me. He said, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundation of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets or paths to dwell in. God is calling us to raise the foundations of a generation. Simply because the foundation has been destroyed. Last Sunday we learned that the people begin to trade true worship for false worship in this particular text. And we know that a foundation has to be strong if you're going to build something upon it. Um, I know uh, as I worked in Uptown and sometimes when they were building a new structure, um, they would have to use dynamite to dig deep so that they can build a, a stronger foundation. And because uh, if you want a strong foundation, you had to dig deep, and the higher the building that was to be erected meant the deeper you have to dig for a strong foundation. Come on, somebody. So as a Christian, I don't know about you, but I don't want to have a, a midget building. And I hope I'm not offending anybody. Y'all talking about yesterday. I don't want a little midget building because I got a little midget foundation. Come on, somebody. I want my foundation to be just as deep as what God wants to build on the surface. Come on. And so sometimes we have to be like a tree. When you see a tree that's been around for years and years, what you see outside of what the ground is now showing you may not be as tall as the roots are deep. Come on, somebody. And so as you are going through things in life, uh, as God begins to take us through suffering and pain and different things that we go through, make sure you understand maybe it's God's trying to tell you that he's trying to take your roots a little bit deeper. And I know we've been praying for a new level. I know we've been praying for God to bless. And I know we've been praying for revival. But maybe God says, I, I can't bring that yet because I want you to be a revival. And I can't give you what I want to give you because your roots are not deep enough yet. And we've got to have strong roots because what's about to happen to the church and what's coming, God has not done with sifting us yet. So we have to be prepared. Come on, somebody. In Psalms 11 and 3, put this in your notes. In Psalms 11 and 3, the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? See, the Bible has a lot to say about foundations. It has a lot to say about what we need to make sure we have in place if we're going to continue to grow. Hello, somebody. 
And see, I don't want to have a surface relationship with God. I want to have a deep, intimate relationship with him. And Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16 says this. It says, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation. We know that stone is Jesus. You know that, right? He said, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Come on, somebody say he's a sure foundation. That, that means that you can count on him. That means you can lean on him and he won't break. Come on, somebody. See, as Christians, people should be able to count on us. As Christians, we should be able to stand in adversity when other people run. He said, and whoever believes will not act hastily. Uh, Psalms 118, 22, and 23 says this. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Come on, somebody. Saints of God, don't ever forget this. You were not created to fit in. Write it in your notes somewhere. Put it in the top of the heading of your Bible. Put it in a notepad somewhere. You were never created to fit in. You were created to stand out. God has called us to come out from among them and be ye separate. He wants to raise us up in this hour, and he's doing a separation because we know what's coming. It's called the harlot church that runs on the Babylonian system, and that system is a system of mixture. It's bringing all of the religions of the world together. But God said, I'm going to raise up my bride so people can see the difference between my bride and the harlot church. I believe for too long the church has been more of a cruise ship than a battleship. See, when you're on a cruise ship, it's all about fun. You run into the pool and you, you, you playing putt-putt golf and you slippery slide and and some are gambling and <laughs> drinking and all kinds of stuff. You're there for fun. Amen, somebody. Amen. That's a cruise ship. Amen. This is my vacation. I'm going to sit out on the deck. Don't nobody know me, so I'm going to wear something that's a little less. <laughs> Ain't no C3 people on this ship, so I'm going to get my thing thing on. Hello, somebody. <laughs> See, y'all looking at me strange. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But on a battleship, a battleship has a different perspective. See, when you're on a battleship, you understand that there are some potential enemies out there that you might have to combat. See, on a cruise ship, you don't worry about it. You just, you wait, you flipping in the wind. But on a battleship, you have to be battle ready. On a battleship, you are armed for combat. On a battleship, it's full of people who have been trained. Come on, somebody. And what God wants to do is take us from boot camp to the battlefield. Now is time to fight. Now is the time. Say that with me. Now is the time. Say it again. Now is the time. You can't wait for tomorrow. Now is the time. 2021 is not a year of soothing the lambs, but of igniting the lions. See, I don't want to just soothe you as little lambs. I want to ignite something inside of you as a lion. The Bible said that the wicked flee it when nobody pursues, but the righteous, come on, is bold as a lion. So where is that boldness today? I think COVID kind of knocked the wind out of everybody. 
we got to be bold as the house of God today. Stand strong in the, in the fear of the Lord so you don't cower down in the fear of man. Yeah. Hello, somebody. This is not the time to relax. It is a time to rise up. We can't sit back and just relax and I'm going to let somebody else do that. No, you got to suit up, right? You got to get ready. It is time to raise up. This is not the time to get comfortable. It is the time to be confrontational. This is not the time to draw back. It is a time to mobilize. What are you going to do for the Lord? What is God saying for you to do? This is not the time to be a spectator. It's time to be a participator. You can't just sit back any longer and say, I'm going to let somebody else do that. I'm not going to sit in the stands any longer. I'm going to get into this thing. Amen, somebody. Amen. You know, when you're watching the sports, those that are watching now, when you're watching, everybody has an opinion. Oh, see, see, see. Okay, all right, let me, let me go ahead and break it down. Everybody said, I don't believe he called that call. What is he doing? Take him out of the game. Come on, some, everybody got an opinion. Yeah. That, that armchair quarterback, right? <laughs> Even, like, let's just say, for instance, the Super Bowl. Everybody got an opinion about it. What should have happened, what shouldn't have happened, and all of that. You can sit in the stands, you can cuss, throw beer. You can do all that stuff. But it's only one group of people that's going to win the ring. And that's the one that's playing So no matter how much you talk, uh -huh. if you're not in the game, you won't get the ring. <laughs> oh, God. No matter how you run your mouth as a Christian, yeah. if you still are not in the game, you don't win the prize. Right. Amen. Oh, this message ain't going to get any better. So <laughs> you want to give me a good amen right now because it's going to get a whole lot deeper. <laughs> amen. Somebody give me an amen. <laughs> amen. Hallelujah. This is not a time to be timid. It is a time to be fearless. Yeah, yeah. Amen. This is not a time to be weak. It is time to be a warrior for righteousness. Yeah. And the enemy will do everything in his power to keep us from doing what God has called us to do. Amen. So we must rise up and take our rightful places in this season. Somebody say this season. Yeah. God is talking about right now for us to be radical, remnant, breakthrough believers. I will never get away from that because that is what God is raising up in this hour is radical believers. Now is not the time for you to be weak. It's the time for us to be full of the joy of the Lord. Come on, somebody. We got enough hell that we got to fight. Everything that we're going through, all of the phone calls you get, the text messages, everybody needs an encouraging word. But let me encourage you with this. Psalms 103 and 7. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. See, it is not enough just to know the acts of the Lord. We must know his ways. A lot of people are just comfortable with the acts of the Lord. What he has done. Oh, God, he's just so wonderful. I just want his blessings on my life. That's an act. Oh, I just want revival. That's an act. Oh, I just want to see God do great things in my life. That's an act. But when God says, oh, listen, I want to show you something. You say, whoa, hold on. <laughs> that means I have to change my way. Yeah. I'm not ready to change my way. Listen to me. I'm not ready to change my way. But he's going to say it's either Yahweh 
or no way. Amen, somebody. And that's what happens. See, to understand the ways of the Lord, he begins to uncover. Oh, Jesus. He begins to peel that layer back like an onion. He begins to take another layer off of us so that what can be revealed on the inside of us, not that God is trying to show it to himself. God is just trying to show it to you. He's just trying to show you that no matter what you got in you, he sees it. Everything is open and naked before the eyes of the Lord. You, you can't hide anything from him. You go into prayer, and you know God says, I want you to pray about this in your life. And you pray about everything else except that one thing. And you say, well, thank you, Jesus. Amen. And before you even leave the room real good, God says, what about that? And you get busy. You start doing things because you don't want to deal with that right here. Right? I got to go to work, Lord. You see, I'm late. I was spending all this time with you. Now I got to go to work. You get in the car, and God says, what about that? So you turn the radio up. <laughs> Amen. You get out of the car, walk into the building. God says, "What about that?" And you start speaking to everybody, folks you never spoke to before. Hey, girl. Hey, how you doing? You get to your desk. It's quiet. God says, "What about that?" And you start typing. Ooh, I got so much work to do. Lunchtime. You on your way to lunch? God says, "What about that?" <laughs> He'll get your attention one way or the other, won't he? By revelation or tribulation. See. We must do what Jesus would do. I know a lot of people got the bumper sticker. And, and I don't know about you, but I've seen people with the bumper sticker, and I had to say, well, Jesus wouldn't do that. <laughs> Hello. Amen, somebody. Because Just because you got a bumper stick, sticker or a T-shirt don't make you a Christian. Just like, just like just going to church don't make you a Christian. Right? Amen, right? I could be standing in my garage, but that don't make me a car. Some of y'all will get that maybe later on. <laughs> I know there might be a delay on Facebook, but I don't want it to be a delay up in here. Amen. You're supposed to get that kind of stuff. Amen. Right? It don't make it so. See, I know what Jesus would do. He would stand for the unborn. He would stand for the disenfranchised and the homeless. He would stand for the sick, the widows, and orphans. He would stand for the lost and the weak. That's what Jesus would stand for. But also, saints of God, is not what he stands for, but it's also what he stands against. See, knowing the acts of the Lord is not enough. You've got to know his way. Because he not only stands for things, but he also stands against some things. He will stand against immorality. He will stand against corruption. He will stand against racism and bigotry. He will stand against dishonesty. He will stand against violent acts of all kinds. Regardless of who did the acts. Come on, somebody. Jesus will stand against all of the stuff that we know that is to be true. He will stand against perversion, pedophilia, sex trafficking. These are all the things that we should be focused on and praying about today. He will stand against an imbalanced justice system that acts one way with the rich, then another way with average people. The rich can get away with stuff that we can't get away with. That is an unbalanced justice system. Anybody here this morning? He will stand against um, anything that stands against his word. Revelation 19 and 10 says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let me say that one more time. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit 
of prophecy. The overarching theme for all prophetic words and visions is the ultimate victory of Jesus Christ over death, hell, the grave, and sin. Yes. That's our testimony, that we got the victory. Amen. Now, let me just share a part here. The prophetic should ultimately point us back to Christ and establish an uncompromising heart to do things God's way. That's the prophetic. This is why I warned you about all of the dreams and the prophecies floating around on social media. Because a lot of these prophets were wrong. A lot of these dreams that said they were having, it didn't come to pass, at least not yet. Right? Most of them not even repenting and apologizing that they were wrong. Amen, somebody. This is why I warned you, be careful. I know I get a lot of people saying to me, did you see this person's dream? Did you say, I don't want to see none of that. Yeah. Uh, not that I'm, I'm, I'm higher than that. It's just that I have to make sure that I'm listening to the Lord before I'm listening to a man. Yeah. See, I need the prophetic to confirm things in me. That's all. If I'm not looking for confirmation in it, I don't need to hear it. Yeah. What the preaching does, it brings confirmation of the word you've already been in. You should never come to church a live stream and say, oh my, go get a word. No, you should be getting confirmation of the word that you're already in. And if you're not in the word, how are you going to know that my word lines up with God? Yeah. Yeah. No, somebody say mature church. mature church. See, our testimony is founded in Jesus. Not the government. Not the president. Not a personality. Not another policy. It's in solo Christos. Jesus alone. Yes. That's where our testimony lies. Do you think that maybe we've misconstrued what a testimony is? That our testimony has been on bringing up our past yes. rather than on the victory of Jesus now? Yes. Could it be that maybe a lot of Christians are stuck in the past because they keep bringing up the past? Yes. Could it be? See, it has to be in the victory of Christ because Christ is the fullness. Yes. He's the foundation. Yes. He's the chief cornerstone. Yes. He's the good, great, and chief shepherd. Yes. He is not only the head of the church. He's the Lord of the church and the center of all things. All things are of him, through him, and to him. Yes. And he, before all, he is before all things, and in him all things consist. God says, all I have to do is turn my hand and everything will fall apart. Just a little twist of God's hand, the whole universe would explode. Everything consists because of him, even your very life. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says, For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Look at how much stuff we've got so focused on, so much stuff. And we get mad at things. And Jesus said, come on back to me. I want to show you. Maybe you've gotten off focus. Paul said, listen, I preach Jesus and him crucified. Yeah. If you go to church or you listen to a sermon on Facebook Live or wherever you listen, YouTube, Rumble, I don't care. You name them all. And they don't bring you back to Jesus, tune it out. Because apparently they're preaching their own biases and it is not the word of the Lord. Because Jesus has to be the foundation. Amen. He has to be the center of all things. He said, I will not be 
a co-pilot. I know you've probably seen those bumper stickers. Jesus is my co-pilot. Well, I don't know. I don't have nothing to do with you. That means you drive. And that's the problem. That's why you all swag surfing. That's what Caitlin called it. That's why you all over the highway because you got somebody else leading the way rather than, than Jesus. Amen. It's making sense. Yahweh. Amen. And so Paul says, him we preach. We got to get back to the basic foundation of Jesus Christ. That's why we've been a cruise ship. See, on a cruise ship, you you know, you you don't have to change. You don't have really any instruction. But on a battleship, there's there's something called uh, a um oh my god. Um it's not a protocol, I just lost it. Rules of engagement. That's what it's called in the military. That you have certain rules that you have to abide by as a military person. As a Christian, we have certain rules. Come on, somebody, that we need to abide by. See, when you're on a cruise ship, there are no rules. You just act buck wild. Come on, somebody. Is that a word, buck wild? So it is in Alabama, that's for sure. Amen. You just go plump crazy. Run your vacation. You're just having fun. But on a battleship, you always are thinking, okay, what's out there? Who's out there to bomb me? What instructions do I need to listen for from my general? What instructions, Jesus being our general, what instructions am I listening for from my commander-in-chief? Jesus. Hello, somebody. Is this making sense at all? See, we're talking about foundation. And if it's not built on Jesus, it's built on sand. It can't be built on a charismatic personality of the church. It's shallow. It has to be built on the government of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Come on, I can take it Isaiah 9 if I have to. But he said the government shall be built on my shoulders. Right? So it can't be built on anything else but him. Let me take you to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And I know I'm talking fast. I need to slow down when I give you guys these scriptures. But I'm excited, man. I'm just, I'm just full of the fire of God. And so Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. The Bible says, they, he was talking about the saints, so somebody said he's talking about me. He said, they overcame him, that's the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. But that's where a lot of people stop. But the scripture does not stop there. And it says, and they did not love their lives to the death. That's the part that's hard for Christians because they do love their lives. Lord, look look here, God, I'm going to stand for you. And then somebody do something, you go, oh, God, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just so offended. Off-ended. But, Lord, I'm going I'm to I'm just stand for you. And then your body get hit with sickness. I don't know. Lord, that was a tough one. I don't know if I can keep standing. Ooh, Lord. I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying that make sure you understand the whole text of the scripture. It's not just the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. It's being willing to die for what you believe. That's the key. Standing strong in the midst of people who are not courageous. Hello? Right? That's what people need right now. People need courage. They need to be strengthened. Come on, people are losing hope. They're losing faith. Right? Not that you can make people believe, because I thought I could. 
And the Lord had to bring me down a couple of notches because I'm like, God, I just, I got to make them believe it. God was saying, that's not for you to do, son. That's my job. I told you to preach the gospel. It's my job to deal with them by the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen. God will help you get delivered. I think the best deliverance is at home. It's not in a conference. The best deliverance is being alone with the Lord and the Lord just begin to show you some stuff that you need to get rid of and you say, Lord, I repent. Take it, Lord. I don't want to deal with it any longer because you've shown it to me. You've been showing this to me for years and I need to stop struggling with this thing so I give it all over to you. Is this making sense at all? See, a lot of Christians are not really confronted by demonic powers because they haven't fully surrendered their lives over to God yet. See, sometimes the stuff we're saying is the devil. It's not the devil. It's just bad choices. Oh, let me just say that one more time because maybe maybe you missed that. See, it's easy to blame the devil. Oh, I believe I'm being attacked. No, you just made bad choices. See, are you really fully submitted like that, that the devil really messes with you? Well, boy, that's a bold question right there. Well, you know, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But how much stuff are you destroying on the kingdom of darkness? How much headway are you making? Does he really know you? Does he really need to bother you? And I'm not asking, this is rhetorical, okay, so I want y'all to be, don't get, I'm, listen, I'm the messenger. Why y'all looking at me like that? I'm just the messenger. I'm just saying, see, he asked me that first, so I get to hear it twice. Right? Am I, is that, hey, John, is that really the devil messing with you? Or did you just make a bad choice, boy? Uh, Lord, I just made a bad choice. I just thought the devil was messing with me, but he really wasn't. I just need to take responsibility for the choices I've made and make better choices. Amen. Can somebody praise the Lord on that one right there? That we just have to take responsibility for bad choices we made. Come on, somebody, and start making better choices. You can't say I'm going to lose weight while you eat ice cream at 1 o'clock in the morning. 245. 245, yeah. Amen. You, you can't wake up the next day and then your, then your stomach all messed up from, from the dairy product and you say, the devil is attacking me. <laughs> I don't mean to make light of this, but this is for real. Amen? Because there was some stuff. I'm just like, God, the devil is attacking me. And God is looking at me like, no, he's not. Maybe you just need to step back a second and make some better choices in your life. Yeah, this is the time of year. Everybody got their goals and plans and PDPs and I'm going to lose weight. And my question is always, how? How are you going to do that? What changes are you going to make? Because you can always have that on your plan to lose weight, but how are you going to do it? What is your plan to lose weight? Are you going to do anything different or are you just going to pray? <laughs> oh, the Lord answer prayer. He does, but God is not going to do the stuff we need to be doing, and you can't do what God has to do. Amen, somebody. And so we need to know the difference. God, what is the stuff that you need to be doing? Because I'm going to keep my hands out of that, but there are some things that I need to be doing because I know you're not going to help me when I was a child. I thought as a child, I understood as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things, and God is not going to take away the stuff we need to be putting away. Amen. I got two good amen. Praise the Lord. We, we, hey, we bat the thousand. We bat the thousand. Praise the Lord. See, it is easy to say that you're being attacked when you've overeaten, <laughs> overindulged, overspent. Who uh-huh. the devil is attacking? Attacking my finances. Yep. But then you go look at your your plan and you say, "Good Lord." <laughs> 
This is why I'm broke. I ate out every day. See, that's just too real. Is that too real? Okay, it's tight, but it's right. So, testimony. I know we've always had testimony. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to say I got a new revelation here because I don't. I, I'm just saying maybe we need to change how we've been doing things because apparently it's not working. Amen? So let me just get into the word testimony for a second because you always know that a testimony, I'm going to talk about everything that's bad in my life first and oh God, I almost lost it. I almost slipped. I almost fell in the pit, but God came through. That's the testimony. According to us. That's that preacher testimony. The Greek word for testimony is martyria, and it stands for this. It says, testifying concerning future events, witness, and evidence given. Wait a minute. It should have something about the crap I've been through, right? Wait a minute. Testifying about future events, not past events. Is that right? That can't be right. Because we all talk about what we went through, and we always bring it up like it's a term of endurance. But God is, oh my God, this see, I'm reminded of a text. And when God was dealing with me on this, because when I read this, I said, wait a minute. Our testimony should be on our victorious triumph in Christ, not crap that Christ brought us from. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy foretelling us about what's coming. So maybe we've looked at this thing all wrong. Maybe we've spent too much time hyping up the crap we've been through and, and what the devil has done that we refuse to talk about the victory of Christ. And you hear more about the devil in church than you do about the victorious triumph of Jesus. I knew this wasn't going to go over well. So let me tell you how God dealt with me because it didn't go over well with me either. <laughs> so the Lord took me back to 1 Samuel chapter 6 and God struck down the men of Beth Shemesh. I remember this. He struck them down because of something they did. They had the Ark of the Covenant. Listen to this. They had the Ark of the Covenant and they removed the cover. And when they removed the cover, God struck thousands of them down because they lifted up something that they were not sanctioned to do. So God just began to speak to me. Hopefully, he's saying this to you. Don't lift the lid on what the blood has covered. Let me say that one more time. Don't lift the lid on what the blood has already covered. So in other words, God is saying, Stop talking about all the stuff I delivered you from and start talking about everything that I've given you the victory over. Yeah. Oh, man, that excites me. Amen. Now I can make sure that I focus on Jesus and not my pitiful past. Yeah. Yeah. Because the devil would always use you in that area because he wants to bring up your dysfunction and Jesus is saying, no, keep your eyes on me. Stop reliving what God has forgiven. Boy, I tell you what, this right here, this, this kind of message will deliver you. 
Stop reliving what God has forgiven. Didn't the Bible say that as far as the east is from the west, I have cast your sins into the sea of forgetfulness? So stop reliving what God has forgiven. But here we go. Oh, the Lord, I just, I was so, I was hurting in my body. And God is saying, I already knew that. Can't you move on? But what did I do? Stop talking about what led you up to the point to where I came through. And start at that point and move on. Is this making sense at all? Say, I'm not trying to minimize anything that you've gone through. Anything. Because the stuff you've gone through has got you to where you are today. Amen, somebody. But what I am trying to say, if we're going to be victorious, maybe we need to, our starting point should be Jesus. And wherever it goes from there, then it just goes from there. Amen, somebody? I'm not trying to give you some new theology of revelation. It's not a revelation. It was just new to me. Because I'm bringing up all this stuff. God, I just can't believe I did that again. And God is saying, you did what? I thought I, I took that away from you. But Lord, I can't believe I did that stuff. And God said, you did what? Oh, I had forgot about that. Oh, God, I can't believe I said that. You said what? Oh, I, I thought I forgot. I thought I threw that away. And you know what happens? God will throw it in the sea. And this is what we do. We pull it right back out, and we bring it right back up to God. And God is saying, well, you, what are you, well, I keep taking it away from you, but as long as you keep fishing. Let's see. Uh, yep. Let me give you some more of the word. I don't know. Can I get a couple thumbs up on Facebook? Y'all got this? You're moving on. See? Yep, 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 yep. Just, just a few thumbs. Y'all got it in here? Just give me some thumbs up in there. You see what I'm saying? Amen. So I'm not listen again. I'm not trying to give you some fresh revelation. I don't do that. I just preach the word. Listen, we got to stop lifting the lid off on what the blood has already covered. Either the blood covers or it does not. Right? Either we are the redeemed or we're not. Either we're gonna live righteous or we're not. Joshua got a good load of that when he said, "Hey, are you for me or against me?" And Jesus said, "Neither. I'm for the Lord." When Moses came down off of the mountain, when the whole church was tripping, y'all remember? They were having orgies and all kinds of stuff going on in the church. And poor Joshua, Joshua always wanted to see the good part of everybody. Joshua said, Moses, I think I heard the sound of war. <laughs> and Moses said, no, they down there tripping. That ain't no war. Let's go down here and see what's going on. And that's when Moses broke the Decalogue and he looked around. He said, who's on the Lord's side? Yeah. There are side things of God. Jesus, when he was in the insurrection, he told Pilate, he said, all who have a love for the truth are on my side. Pilate said, well, what is truth? And Jesus just looked at it. Because Jesus was saying, it's the one that's talking to you, Pilate. I am the truth. Because truth is a person. Come on, man. He's the truth. Come on. All right, let me give you some more of this book. You want some more of this book? Can we just praise God that he has washed us by the blood and forgotten our sins? Yes. Can we just can we from now on just start at that point and say, I just praise you, Lord, because you if you have forgotten it, then I need to forget it too. Amen. Now, 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 let me bring some balance here. You're not going to do that tomorrow. You're just not going to forget like magically. This is going to be a process. Because we've been trained to bring up our past. And you know where it started? 
right here. So I'm trying to retrain you to say forget about your pitiful past. And let's just talk about what Jesus has done and the victory we have in him. And God, I want to talk about my future. I don't want to talk about my past. I want to talk about what are you, what are you getting ready to do with my little life? What kind of journey do you have me on today? What what kind of journey do you have the church on right now, Lord? It's a victorious journey, and you already triumph openly over the enemy, so we need to walk around like we've already won the battle and stop walking around like we're hopeless and, and we don't have that God can't do that. But God is already doing something. But what are you doing? Amen, somebody. Praise the Lord. I just knew this wasn't going to get a lot of shouts. But what are we now? Right? Where, where are we now when we start talking about a testimony anyway? Is, are we stuck in our past? Or are we living a victorious life today? But let me help you in 2 Corinthians. Let me just get to write this down in your notes. Please, please write this down in your notes and study these out. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I want to give you this in the Amplified Version. It says, therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah. He's a new creation. So let me just stop right there for a second. If you are in Christ and you are a new creation, don't that mean that all things have been made new? Yes. So, so that means then what you used to be and what you used to do is no more. Therefore, all of that is covered by the blood now. So everything here has been covered by the blood. Everything here is you living a victorious life. So when you do a testimony, you have to remove the ark. You have to remove the blood in order to uncover your past. And God is saying, why are you removing what I've covered? When you need to start living a victorious life. If this makes sense, I hope it's making sense, guys. Because listen here, I had to get it to first. And I got it. And I'm going to live it. Nobody's stopping me from living it. Amen. 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 And listen, don't get mad when God bless me now. I ain't apologizing for it. You don't have to apologize for your papa blessing you. Because he loves us. Amen. And listen, God will let me have money because he loves me more than he loves money. That's why he'll let me have healing because he loves me more than he loves the healing. Yes. So you got to see that about your papa, how much he loves you. That's right. Hello, are you really seeing this? You're a new creature in Christ now. All that stuff, the Bible says, old things have passed away. Yes. So why do we keep bringing it up if God has already? It's like this. The Lord, I said, Lord, you got to help me because you guys are real smart. You already got this, but it took me a minute. Right? It took me a minute. And so, Lord, I'm like, I'm like, okay, can you break this thing down like North Carolina English? So the Lord said, yes. So he gave me this example. And I hope it will help you like it has helped me. God says, it's like you've been sentenced to prison for 20 years. You've been in prison for 20 years. Life. You had a life sentence of 20 years. All of a sudden, you were supposed to go to the death chamber. But all of a sudden, some word came, and the word says you were acquitted and pardoned. Get your stuff and get up out of here. So you, 
not in prison any longer. Now you on the outside, and you say, you know, I gotta go back to prison. I think I forgot something. I I, I want to talk to you about some things, but I gotta go back to jail first to get that experience back, so that I can share with you my experience. And God is saying, why you keep going to prison when I keep bringing you out? You've been acquitted. I've covered it by my blood. So stop acting like you want to be in jail. Lord, please let there be a minute of grace and Lord, hallelujah. Did you get that? Did you get that? Listen, I ain't trying to preach. I'm just saying, I'm still trying to get this too. So we all learning together. We all learning together. So I'm saying, okay, God, I'm going to stop going to jail. (laughs) Right? Because what happens is when you keep going back to your past, the devil starts closing the door. And then you stuck. You know how he sticks you? Depression. Fear. Anxiety. Worry. Sickness. He locks you up. And then when he locks you up, you there you go, nobody knows. And then then you gotta ask somebody to pray you out. Well, I ain't put you in there. Now, I'm not trying to be mean or nasty. Some of this stuff you need to pray yourself out of. We need to stop depending on everybody else to pray for us, and we need to have a prayer life for ourselves. Is this making sense at all? I'm talking about the mature church. Now, if you want to stay on the cruise church, you can stay on up in there, but when you're on the battleship. Oh, no, there are some things that you are responsible for that you need to do for yourself. Stop relying on everybody else's relationships. You can't vicariously have a relationship with Jesus through somebody else's relationship. This kind of preaching is hate speech. I don't know how much longer we're going to be on Facebook. They're going to tell us we can't preach anymore because that's what's going to happen. They have already started the censorship. They've already started it. It's just a matter of time. They're gonna, they're gonna, every Christian site, every preacher, all, all of us are going to be removed from Facebook and Instagram because they're going to label what we preach. That's hate speech. So guess what? I ain't going to stop preaching because I was preaching before Facebook. I don't need social media to get my message out. Somebody going to hear this message even if I got to call everybody. Amen. Shoot, we got a conference line. We can use conference line. Don't use conference line. We can use go to meeting. When go to meeting start tripping, we'll go to another meeting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why, man? I got the victorious life of Jesus living inside of me, and I love not my life even to death. So even if I die on the other side, I'm still all right. Yeah. Right? But I think a lot of people are afraid of death. All right, last point I'll make because I think y'all done with this. Y'all not looking at me good. I don't know how they're looking at me on Facebook, but y'all not looking at me right. So I'm I'm gonna just give you one more little thing and uh breathe. Come on, breathe. It's gonna be alright. Breathe. <laughs> y'all need to stop looking at me like that. So let me just let me just say this. Apostle Paul teaches us that in order to apprehend that which had apprehended him, he had to forget those things that were behind and reach forth towards those things that were before him. In other words, Apostle Paul is saying, turn your back to your past and keep it turned. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message encouraged you. 
If you would like to learn more about C3 Church, please visit us in person in Indian Trail, North Carolina at 5805 West Highway 74, Indian Trail, North Carolina, 28079, or on the web, c3churchnc.org, or on facebook.com forward slash c3indiantrailnc.org.